This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Believe the victim has no place in courts. That is part of the judge's ruling in the latest high-profile sexual assault case. Believe the Victim, of course, is a rising movement intended to make it easier for sexual assault victims to get justice. This time, three male police officers were found not guilty of forcing sex on an extremely intoxicated woman, a parking enforcement officer who went to a hotel room with them after a night of partying. The judge said she found inconsistencies in the complainant's testimony, especially on the key issue of her capacity to consent. She also said that the believe the victim implies a presumption of guilt on the accused. So we want to know what you think. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, let's go through to Andrew for Julie, who is a criminal defense lawyer, and Loretta Merritt, who is a sexual abuse lawyer with Torkin Mains. Uh, good afternoon to both of you. Hi there. Hi, Libby. Okay, let's start with Loretta. What is your reaction to this ruling? Well, the fact that the judge said there's no room for believe the victim in our current uh, criminal justice system is not surprising. Uh, In fact, it's just the opposite. There's a presumption that the defendant is innocent, um, and and that historically has roots in the idea that it's better to let uh, 10 guilty people go free than to convict an innocent one. Uh, But what was interesting was, in this case, the judge said she didn't necessarily believe the one defendant who testified. She had problems with his evidence as well as uh, concerns about the uh, complainant's evidence. Uh, The other two police officers didn't testify, so we don't know what their evidence might have been. But the bottom line is the, the difficulty the judge had was that she couldn't be sure, and if she's not sure, she can't convict them. Mm-hmm. And what what do you think, though, of this uh, verdict? Do you ag- do you agree with it? Uh, do you think it'll put a chill on victims coming forward? Well, you know, these sexual assault cases, uh, particularly high profile ones that are lost, can have a chilling effect. Um, they they certainly illustrate how hard it is uh, to get a con- conviction for sexual assault particularly where the only evidence of a crime is the victim's word, which is often the case, um, and, and even harder when uh, the victim's memory may be impaired by alcohol. Um, but on the other hand, these cases do bring about attention to the issue of sexual assault generally um, and do motivate some change. For example, the... Uh, Gomeshi case uh, was responsible for a new law, uh, which is now being referred to as the Gomeshi law, that if the defendant in a sexual assault case 
wants to use documents to challenge the credibility of a complainant, uh, they have to produce those documents in advance of the trial um, to give the complainant a chance to explain or respond to them. So even when cases like this are lost, uh, they can advance social justice issues for sure. Uh, Andrew, for Julie, what's your take on this verdict? Well, I think it's a, an exceptionally well-reasoned decision on the evidence that Justice Malloy had in front of her. And, and uh, I think Loretta makes a very good point about, uh, and Justice Malloy makes this point too, about the difficulty of, of uh, ruling in cases where there's a he said, she said component and there's really no evidence otherwise. And you get that a lot in sort of historical sexual assault cases, especially things that uh, happened 20 years ago where there's no chance of getting really any corroborating evidence one way or the other. That was not this case, and that was not this decision. Justice Malloy had a constellation of evidence around her that she was able to look at. She had video surveillance footage. She had other civilians testify who she was able to um, uh, rely on, and the bulk of that evidence uh, went against the complainant's version in this case, and that really led to Justice Malloy finding it unsafe to convict here. Well, yeah, just to refresh people's memories, uh, there was video of the compl- the complainant said that she was overcome in the taxi, that she was powerless and she couldn't move, but the video in the hotel uh, shows her uh, chatting uh, with the defendants, or at least one of the defendants. Uh, and uh, she also said that uh, one of the defendants left the table, implying he had time to fix, to, to tamper with her drink, and video evidence showed otherwise. So basically, uh, those were the inconsistencies. Uh, I'm very curious uh, about what our listeners think. Do they think this was the right verdict? And, and what do you think the impact will be the numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm talking to criminal defense lawyer Andrew Ferjuli and Loretta Merritt, who is a sexual abuse lawyer. And uh, I want to get into this whole business about alcohol and sexual abuse cases. Loretta. Well, the courts have consistently held that, um, you know, you can give a drunken consent. Simply, uh, you know, uh, having consumed alcohol doesn't necessarily mean you're not capable of consenting. But there is a line that if you are impaired to the point where you don't understand the nature of the sexual activity that's occurring, um, then you can't consent. And, of course, the courts have held if you're intoxicated to the point of unconsciousness, obviously, you can't consult. Uh, or consent, sorry. But the difficulty is, um, in many of these cases, it's hard to know where that line is. Um, it seems there's there's a bit of a difference if you voluntarily consumed the alcohol um, or if you were uh, drugged without your knowledge. Uh, in, in the drugging cases, the courts tend to be more generous in determining what level of intoxication amounts to incapacity or inability to consent. Uh, it, there seems to be a bit of a higher threshold if you voluntarily drink, although I'm not sure that's necessarily right in law. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew, um, how do you see that? 
Well, uh, it's not right in law. Uh, the Supreme Court has said that uh, how uh, a, a complainant gets intoxicated or the manner of how they get to that point shouldn't really make a difference uh, in, their de- in the judge's determination of whether somebody actually gave consent or not. But it's hard because it's a human process and you end up on a continuum. And it's hard to know that point if you're going to talk about uh, losing the ability to consent when that loss of ability actually happens. So it, it, it's a, a legal point that judges have, have had trouble with for a long time, and there's no easy answer to it. What you, would you say, both of you, I, I, I'm sure there are people out there who say, you know, uh, this woman went to a hotel room with them. Uh, in other words, what did she think would happen there? Uh, what about that? Is that a factor in legal decisions? It shouldn't be. If, if I could start off, it, it really shouldn't be. I mean, uh, if the issue, the narrow issue in this case is when she gets into that hotel room, what happened? And it, when you start to say, well, you know, you walked into the hotel room with them, what did you expect? You start to dangerously get towards these idea of these rape myths. Uh, the idea is, I mean, it can be a factor that you consider in terms of her credibility or the reliability of her story or what her intent was going to the hotel, depending on what the rest of the evidence was in the case. But it's not fair to say that just because somebody went to a hotel room with somebody, that once they got in there, they were automatically going to consent to anything that happened in there. And defense counsel can get in trouble if that's what they want the judge to do if they try to make that argument with a judge. Well, it, it, it seems to me that uh, the believe the victim kind of movement is trying to get away from uh, those, I would say, perceptions that blame the woman if she's wearing outfits that are too sexy or if she went to the wrong place and was party with, with them. Uh, is that uh, what do you make of that, Loretta? Well, I, I would agree that for all too long in our society, as well as in, in uh, the court system, rape has seemed to be a girl's problem and a women's problem. Um, and, and I think we really, as a society, need to shift the focus onto making it a boy's and men's problem as well. If we don't educate our young men uh, as to what consent means and the, and the need for it, um, you know, we can, we can challenge our girls all we want to try to protect themselves, but if the boys don't change, it's going to be an ongoing problem. And in law, um, you know, even if a girl says yes to sexual activity and then changes her mind during the act, she is entitled to do so. And any activity that occurs after she says no is without consent and is a criminal offense. There you go. Um, I'd like to turn to another question. And uh, again, uh, I would like to alert our our listeners to this. And that's a very interesting editorial in the Toronto. It's not an editorial. It was a column. Sorry. In the Toronto Sun today uh, by Michelle Mandel, who said, you know, they may not be guilty legally, but they're scumbags and they should not be wearing the uniform. Now, I know uh, neither of you are, are that kind of lawyer, but um, uh, what do you think of that argument? And, and can you, uh, do you know if you can fire a police officer for conduct unbecoming, even if they were found not guilty? You can discipline a police officer for conduct unbecoming, and that's the case in a number of professions. It, it happens in the medical profession as well. 
where if doctors are found to have engaged in unbecoming professional conduct, even if it doesn't lead to a conviction, the college can get involved in that case. It's the same for the police. Um, the interesting question is going to be what the police do here, given Justice Malloy's findings of fact. Um, and she makes some findings of fact that are not very flattering towards these officers. Whether that rises to the level of them getting fired, I would highly doubt. But I would suspect there's going to be some attempt at discipline here. I mean, I just, you know, one of the things I'm trying to wrap my head around is, okay, they're out on the street now. What if someone, God forbid, is sexually assaulted? I mean, can you imagine going to any of these officers to report that? Loretta? Yeah, it's it's problematic for sure. And what I was going to say, uh, quite separate apart from the di- discipline uh, possibility, um, there's a possibility of a civil lawsuit. Um, just because there's not a conviction doesn't mean that a, a court in a civil lawsuit against the police officers uh, would would make a similar finding. There's a much lower burden of proof in a civil case. It's much easier for a plaintiff to establish that it happened. Um, in, a, in a civil case, if, if the plaintiff tips the scale even 1% in, uh, in her favor, she wins. So that's still something we may see in this case. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you really think that after all that, that complainant is going to want to go through another case? hard to say. She may be angry. She may be motivated to seek justice. It's it's difficult to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are running out of time on this. Uh, so, uh, Andrew, for Julie, what would you like to leave us with on this case? What do you think the ramifications will be? Uh, well, I mean, in terms of the specifics of this case, it's a very fact-driven case, but there is one thing I'd like to highlight, which is th- this idea of uh, what Justice Malloy said about believe the victim having no place in criminal law. That doesn't, for your listeners, that doesn't mean that victims are going to come in with a presumption of not being believed. What Justice Malloy is saying here is that the idea of any witness walking into a court presuming to be believed, and that's different than the presumption of innocence that every accused gets, nobody, not even an accused, is presumed to be telling the truth when they enter the box. And if you import in this idea of believe the victim automatically. Justice Malloy is quite right that it ends up putting an additional and uh, an unfair burden on an accused, just like if you say about believe any witness, uh, that would be unfair. So it's not that she's saying that a sexual assault victim will never be believed. It's that any witness who walks into court walks in with a clean slate. Okay, Loretta? And I would say the same same sort of comments. I mean, victims of crime, uh, particularly sexual assault, are very brave to come forward. And I would always encourage people to do the right thing and come forward. It's only by bringing these issues and these cases forward that we can see any uh, kind of social change. You know, when I was starting out in this area of law 25 so years ago, we had convicted pedophiles uh, uh, in, in roles responsible for children. Um, and it's only because people come forward that we can see any sort of movement forward and change in this area. So I really acknowledge the courage of the survivors who have the uh, uh, ability to come forward and bring these issues to light, regardless of whether the cases are won or lost. Okay. Thank you both. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.